This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Pastor Michael, here's our question for today. What is Village Church's stand on alcohol consumption as a Christian? I think you and I are going to be a little bit different on this one, but not that far away. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I will abstain on the front end from telling Michael's perspective, <laughs> and I will give you Village Churches. But by there doing that, go. I would like to tell you the story of my growing up versus me coming to Village Church in 2003. So I grew up in what I would call a normal house. I mean, my family's crazy like everybody else's, but like for the most part, just normal. Mom, and dad, your parents are kids. Great. My parents were great. And um, I never saw my dad drunk, never saw my mom drunk, saw probably a biblical buzz or two, a little bit of laughter, but never out of control anything. Um, so I grew up in a world where alcohol was normal, not abused, um, wasn't a weird subject, uh, didn't bother me. It was just normal. And okay. in Detroit, when um, we lived right next to Canada, so you could drink at 19. Mm. So um, most people in the U.S., you got to wait till you're 21 to like drink legally. Well, we we turned 19 and we would go across the border to the bars in Canada. And um, that's when we would actually start drinking. So like that was so interesting, like world where I grew up in mm-hmm. versus what. And I grew up in an evangelical church, conservative, reformed, Presbyterian, which are renowned for loving scotch and whiskey and right. weird things like that. So in my whole world, it was never an issue. Um, Okay. So let me tell you my story. Yep. Grew up in a non-Christian home, saw alcohol abuse quite a bit, not necessarily inside the house, not by my dad or mom, but saw it around my mom and dad, saw it around parties and things like that. Growing up, even at 15, 16 years old, I got very involved in alcohol partying. We had full-blown parties after every football game as a sophomore, junior, and senior in high school at my house with my parents' full permission. And I'm talking about full-blown keggers. Wow. Mom and dad divorced when I was 15. Mom bought a a bar. Dad bought a bar a few years later. (laughs) Wow. I've seen the abuse of alcohol to the point where it's ugly. Mm. So that's yeah, my story. That's that's helpful. I, I was drunk one time. I was 16, maybe 15, actually. Yeah, 15 at my brother's wedding. And uh, his best man was like, try this, try this, try that. Of course, he gave me all the sweet drinks. And mm-hmm. uh, and then my mom found me and she's like, have you been drinking? And then she looks <laughs> over at the guys. And, and I remember trying to walk to the bathroom, like, act like you're walking straight. Act like you're walking straight. Anyways, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Did not feel good the next day and uh, resolved never to do that again. But, mm. I, you know, like um, it, it was it was that was my brother's friends. You know, that was just yeah. a dumb circumstance. Mm-hmm. But so then I come to Village Church. OK. And uh, so for me, I mean, just to be clear, like this is about a big this is as big of a deal as eating Skittles on Sunday. OK. Like that's <laughs> it's just I don't even have a category for the issue. OK. Right. And I come to Village Church and no one's allowed to talk about it. We don't. I mean, it oh. is just I mean, it is off limits. I mean, if if. Crazy. So now when I went to Moody, I signed a covenant that said I would not drink. So when I turned 21, I didn't drink. I didn't drink mm-hmm. until I got out of Moody. Um, the challenge was I, I was in a world now on a, in a staff and a church culture that saw it as scary. But this is what's funny. Whole bunch of families all secretly had beer and wine, you know, when nobody was over and they had little secret parties and like you knew mm-hmm. who would talk about it and who wouldn't. It was just a funny culture to me that I thought was was really hilarious. 
And, uh, you know, that culture slowly started to die. There was, I would say, in the 2000s, if you will, 2000, you know, mid-2000s to 2010, a movement in evangelicalism away from unnecessary rules. Right. And um, we just made a deal as a church. This is not a big deal. Um, now, we do have a number of people who are uh, recovering alcoholics. So you'll never find um, alcohol at church functions. It won't be there. We don't serve alcohol in communion. Um, that's our way of honoring people who struggle with this. Um, alcohol is not central to anything that we do as a church or any part of our community. You've been here for a year and a half, and and it's just not a big deal. We don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, we care way more about being together, loving people, encouraging people, and not making anybody feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Village has changed in how it is socially perceived today. It is, I would say, 100% a complete and total non-issue. If you don't, you don't. If you do, you do. You just know when you're with a bunch of church people, that's not what we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll, so number one at Village, we don't make extra rules. We don't make big deals of things. If it's not in the Bible, we don't get obsessed about it. We don't try to just unnecessarily legislate and to put restrictions onto people and to enter. The, we're not big government here, okay? There you go. Um, and that is real. That's just a high value for us. Um, number two, another high value for us is we do not forbid things that the Bible does not forbid. Religious elites in the New Testament and Old Testament, they would do this. They would make up rules and traditions that would make them feel more godly or whatever. And we know churches that do that very same thing still today. Yeah, we, and they do, and that's fine. And, and if you think drinking is terrible and evil and it's a sin always, you're welcome at Village Church. Mm-hmm. And if you think it's great and you have a beer every once in a while or a glass of wine, great. We just say don't fight about it and we'll be happy about there it. So uh, Ecclesiastes um, 9, 7 to 9. It, it's just funny here. And I think this is um, brings me to a second point, which says, I'm not inclined to forbid things that Jesus himself enjoyed. That for me is like a big like clincher here. Now, some go. people will say he drank juice or it was really weak. <laughs> they had full capacity to get drunk back then. That's Drunkenness was sure. an issue then. It was an issue now. It's still the same. It doesn't, I mean, Yeah. So Ecclesiastes 9, 7 to 9 says, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. I joke and call it the biblical buzz. You know, it's (laughs) for God. I mean, listen to this. For God has already approved what you do. Now, in case you think it's out of context, he goes on and says, let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he may give you under the sun. Now, like enjoy, enjoy it. Like God's giving you all of this stuff. And here's the funny thing. There is a biblical worldview that says this. Um, God put into the rhythm of creation the possibility of wine, even even to the point where apparently in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be wine. Jesus drank wine. I mean, the mm-hmm. last supper, he yes, had he wine and they had the capacity to get him drunk. Okay. And he didn't get drunk because he's awesome and perfect and he never abuses anything. Right. So at the village, number one, we don't make extra rules. Number two, I'm not inclined to forbid things that Jesus himself enjoyed. Number three, if you're going to drink, do it to the glory of God, whether you eat or whether you drink. And he's not just talking about drinking water. Uh, Alcohol was a normal part of first century life. He's saying if you're going to drink, you do this to the glory of God in a way that makes much of him. Some people Mm -hmm. listening will respond. It's not possible to drink to the glory of God. Well, apparently – 
having a glass of wine with a merry heart in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven, um, God says, this is already approved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I'm not telling the listener, you need to go do that. I'm just saying, don't get real judgy if somebody has a glass of wine because God has apparently approved it. Jesus did it. And if you're going to do that, you need to figure out how to do it to the glory of God and still be, hear me, sober minded. Don't allow it to control your emotions or your thinking. Don't, don't don't take it to the excess. Where it controls you. Absolutely. And so number four, if someone struggles, never, ever do it around them. Yeah. And if you don't know, then you don't. Yeah. That's the first Corinthians eight principle, yeah. you know, where Paul talks about eating the food, sacrificed to idols. That's the biblical kind of a benchmark there. Yep. Absolutely. So then number five would be our souls are idol making factories. We're highly capable of becoming addicted to anything from video games to alcohol. It doesn't matter. We love to make idols out of normal common things that can be used for good and to use them destructively. Mm -hmm. Some people want me to take a negative slant on this and to start with the negative on alcohol. (laughs) And here's the deal. I have nothing to gain or lose. If alcohol was gone, I would I could care less on one level. Okay, um, if it never existed, big deal. But the Bible does not start with a fundamentally negative approach to it. It starts That's with correct. a fundamentally positive, positive approach to it, yes. and it warns against the negative mm-hmm. uses of it. It's the same thing with sexuality. It starts with a positive worldview, but warns regularly that all good, powerful things have the capacity to be used for great good or great evil. Right. Um, if you are an alcoholic, you should never, ever touch alcohol again for the rest of your life and don't go near places mm-hmm. where it's a problem and tell the people in your life that you have a problem so they can protect you. And if they are not willing to not drink in front of you, they have a problem, That's not right. you. They, I mean, they, you have a problem. Yeah, they, they don't have love a, you enough to help you overcome this struggle. Yeah, yeah. And the church should be the safest place for people who struggle with any kind of addiction. That's right. Um, the church should be the place where you are safe and you, let's say you're meeting a bunch of friends and you're at a restaurant and um, one of your friends doesn't know you have an issue and they order a glass of wine, you should be able to stop them and say, could you please just do me a favor? Would you not order that? Uh, I don't have any issues with you doing it. I'm just, it's a big struggle for me and just seeing it tempts me. And if that friend cannot look at you and say, oh man, take it back. Like, I, you know, like whatever I can do to love you, mm-hmm. then that friend doesn't love you and they have a drinking problem. So I say all that not to justify or encourage anyone to do anything at all. Um, Just because God makes something good even does not mean that we all have to participate in it. Um, And so this is where I I really think the application of this comes down to a matter of conscience. Yes. You have to stand before God in light of your conscience. Your conscience is formed by your upbringing. It's it's, uh, informed by your family, your Mm -hmm. wife or your husband when you marry and bring them into your circumstance and your life. And so your conscience is one of those things that you just have to be very sensitive to. Um, Maybe your conscience is okay with it, but you've gone before the Lord and he said, don't do it. Well, then you don't do it. That's right. You don't violate your own conscience. Yeah. You know, and, um, but here's the deal. You have to approach it um, with the the fundamental value that the Bible does. It's not bad. It's good, but has the capacity to be used for great Mm -hmm. evil, just like every other good thing. A human being is good, but it has capacity for great evil. Mm-hmm. Sexuality is good, but it has the capacity for great evil. I mean, we could just go down the that's line. Right. Prescription medications can be good, but they have the capacity for great evil. Um, and that's where we we sometimes pendulum swing because – I'm not saying you said this. I'm just saying we'll say, 
Um, I've seen it do bad. Therefore, nobody no should be able to have it. No one should do it. No one has the ability to control it, which right. I don't believe. Totally. That's like a porn addict saying nobody should have sex because I can't control myself. Right. And, that, and that's just not an accurate way to approach the fundamental issue. Some people uh, are going to hear this and they're going to just say, I can't believe the village church would do that. Here's what I want to say to you. You are welcome to have your perspective and to be at Village Church. Mm-hmm. This is just something we don't fight about. We don't fight about styles of music <laughs> and we don't fight about alcohol. What I will fight about is if you get drunk and if you are abusing this, I will confront you to your face and we will deal with this because yes. you are commanded by God to be sober minded, clear headed um, and not to be drunk. Um, you can get, apparently he says, drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved you to do so. Mm-hmm. But if you get drunk and you get out of control uh, and you do something stupid, we're going to have some words. Listeners, thanks for letting us invade your space today. Please do us three favors. First, go to our church website, vcob.org, and click on that link that says Q&A podcast and submit your question. Second, be sure to share this podcast with a friend or a family member, or as we say, a foe. And third, be sure to rate and review this at our iTunes store. Join us next time when we answer the question, what happens to babies who die before they're baptized? Oh,